The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of this station. Content is for educational purposes only. Consult a financial advisor or conduct your own due diligence if investing. The show is pre-recorded. Everyday Wealth is produced and created by Edelman Financial Engines and hosted by Gene Chatsky. Ms. Chatsky is not an employee or client of the firm. She receives fixed cash compensation as host and for related activities, and therefore has an incentive to endorse Edelman Financial Engines and its planners. For additional information, please see www.edelmanfinancialengines.com slash everydaywealth. The 2022 Top 100 Independent Advisory Firm ranking issued by Barron's is qualitative and quantitative, including assets managed by the firm, technology spending, staff diversity, succession planning, and other metrics. Firms elect to participate but do not pay to be included in the ranking. Compensation is paid for use and distribution of rating. Awarded September 2022 based on data within a 12-month period. Investor experience and returns are not considered. At the intersection of life and money, this is Edelman Financial Engine's Everyday Wealth with personal finance expert, Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. Now, here's Gene Chatsky. Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks for joining me today on Everyday Wealth. Recently, the Washington Post published a quiz on its website that demonstrated the different kinds of email and text-based frauds and scams. I took it. You all should take it if you want to have a little fun. And I was actually pretty proud of myself that I got all the answers correct. But I also have to admit that there were some when I was kind of wavering. And That is a problem because right now fraud is rampant, particularly in the investment world. There has never been more investment fraud than there is right now. Last year, people lost a record $3.82 billion to investment fraud. That was an increase of 128% from the year before. There is a nefarious trend underlying this explosion in fraud. Criminals have actually shifted away from targeting financial institutions, and they are targeting people, people with money, wealthy individuals, and particularly older wealthy individuals, what we call elder fraud. Every year, the FBI releases a report on elder fraud, and last year's was particularly frightening. The FBI found that total losses among elderly victims spiked by 84%. And what that means in real terms is that every day, every single day, the Bureau receives thousands of complaints reporting a variety of different scams and schemes and We'll dig into a few of those a little later, but for now, I just want you to get a sense of how widespread and damaging this is. There were a total of more than 88,000 victims over the age of 60 last year. The losses just in this sector were astonishing. They were $3.1 billion, which works out, if you do the math, to a loss of an average $35,000 per scam. Ouch. This show is all about how to protect you and yourself and the people that you love from these scams. It's about how to identify them before criminals can steal your money. And if you've got older folks in your life, I want you to be thinking about them as we go through this show. And maybe even after listening, you check in on them. Make sure there is nothing fishy 
underway. We'll also get into the steps that you can take to protect your identity so that you're a little safer all around. And as you know, having an independent third-party professional in your life who can help you make financial decisions, that's always a big plus. You want somebody who has your back. I'm talking about a fiduciary, of course, someone who puts your interest first. I want to bring on Two of those people, Andy Smith and Isabel Barrow, they are both wealth planners at Edelman Financial Engines. They are no strangers to you if you listen to this show. Hey, everybody. Nice to see you. Good morning. Hey, nice to see you both. Let's get right into what we're talking about here. Andy, when you look at the $3.82 billion that was lost last year to investment fraud, how does this happen? Yeah, so uh, a lot of that investment fraud was actually cryptocurrency or crypto-related scams. Um, you mentioned that $3.82 billion number. $2.57 billion of that was actually lost to cryptocurrency scams. And in almost every type of scam that's tracked by the FBI, um, they're, they're finding that losses that involve cryptocurrency really are increasing. So overall, these crypto losses are increasing or have increased by about 350% from the previous year. You know, it's a little hard to square the fact that these uh, scams are so centered in crypto with the fact that older people are so vulnerable because we think of crypto as something that's really dominated by younger people. Yeah, in 2022, I think the FBI received something like 10,000 complaints from victims over the age of 60 involving some type of cryptocurrency. And actually, the largest losses among people over age 60 are those crypto-related investment scams. And so what that means is that accounts for something like 66% of all losses that are related to crypto. So, you know, anecdotally, we're seeing these stories or hearing about these stories all the time. The scams follow a pretty familiar formula. Um, they usually promise to generate this, you know, quote unquote, guaranteed return that's typically, you know, incredibly high. Well, that's a red flag right there, right? Anytime somebody talks about, quote unquote, guaranteed uh, returns, it should be a giant red flag. You should, you know, absolutely run in the other direction. Yeah. If it's too good to believe, don't believe it. Right. Absolutely. Isabel, what, what are the other types of scams that you're hearing about most? Well, outside of just investment fraud, I think one of the other top scams is government impersonation, uh, surprisingly. You know, I feel like we've all gotten kind of just so numb to getting these scam emails. You know, you get, t I get so much spam email, so much, you know. And at the same time, my phone rings off the hook. And I don't know, these are unknown numbers or it says, you know, spam caller. We've just gotten kind of numb to it because we're so used to it. But, you know, if you're an older person and the phone rings and you don't know that it's a scammer, you know, you're completely unsuspecting and they present themselves as someone from the IRS or from the Social Security Administration or Medicare, you know, understandably, that might make you nervous. And, and all of a sudden now you're paying attention. And then they say, well, you have unpaid taxes. And if you don't pay them, something bad is going to happen and you have to immediately solve this problem. Well, you know, it's 
stressful. And if you don't know that that could potentially be a scam, you might give them your credit card. You know, don't do that. Um, another one is that these scammers are, are threatening to arrest you or deport you if you don't pay. Um, maybe they say that your Social Security or your Medicare benefits are going to get cut if you don't give them some personal information. Maybe they want your bank account number or your credit card number, you know, or your Social Security number. And they want this information so that then they can steal your identity. And so that's a huge risk. So just know that that risk is out there, that that scam exists. So you're a Washington native. You grew up right here on Capitol Hill. And so I feel like you're a really good person to ask. How do you tell when somebody is legit from the government or when they're a scammer? Well, I think the key is, is that the government is not going to threaten you. They are not going to give you a a call out of nowhere asking you for personal identifying information. They are not going to ask for a wire transfer or a debit card or a checking account information. Um, You know, any legitimate government agency is not going to do that. A scammer is. Andy, we have had some record-breaking Mega Million and Powerball jackpots lately. And of course, the scammers are coming out of the water when it comes to the lottery as well. Why wouldn't they? But how do these typically shake out? Yeah, so they're uh, they're sweepstakes scams or lottery scams. It's when a scammer will call uh, oftentimes an older adult and tell them that they've won the lottery. They've won some giant sweepstakes that nobody's ever heard of. I mean, it's not like Ed McMahon's knocking on the door with the giant publisher's clearinghouse check. I mean, it's all phone-based or, you know, email-based. Well, the catch is you have to send them something prior to this. So you got to send them money or cash or some sort of gift card for, you know, the next step of the sweepstakes or the next step of the lottery to unlock or for you to claim your prize. And the justification is, you know, this upfront payment is supposed to cover what? Taxes or processing fees or something else, you know, again, so that you can unlock this massive amount of money. But again, it's just a giant scam, totally bogus. Nobody's going to be asking for you to pay something, you know, prior to you, you know, receiving these these dollars. I feel like this is like the oldest scam in the book, too. This is one that's been around for decades. I mean, I remember vividly being in college and my mom calling me and telling me that my brother who was like 15 at the time, had won the lottery. And the only the only thing she needed to figure out was how to get the money for the taxes to the lottery people. And, you know, and again, this is like pre what we know now about these types of scams, but it's been around for a long time and people still fall for it. Yeah, no question. I mean, they made it into a movie, right? Did you guys see Nebraska? It was a great yeah. movie. No. And I think you're right, Isabel. I think it's pretty obvious that no sweepstakes, no lottery is going to ask you for money up front in order to claim your quote unquote prize. But for somebody who is um, older, who hasn't uh, been reading about the fact that these scams are perpetuating, I could see how they fall victim to this. And so, you know, if you hear from your mom or your dad that they got a call like this, I think the, the key is maybe just try to dig in a little deeper. I, I think robocalls, Isabel, have just made all this worse. 
They are just unbelievable, right? They're so annoying. They are so distracting. But on top of that, they could really potentially be dangerous. So one of the tricks is they will um, call you and then they say, can you hear me? And then you say, yes. And then the scammer hangs up. But now what happens is they have your voice. They have a voice signature that they may then be able to use to try to authorize um, charges on what could be a stolen credit card. So just know that if you get a call, like I do constantly throughout the day, from an unknown number, and the first thing they say is, can you hear me? Just hang up and block the number. I think that's another really good key is if your phone allows you to go down underneath that phone number in the history and click on block that number. And, and sometimes they don't say, can you hear me? Sometimes you get that squeaky computerized voice that says your name and they're trying to get that same sort of response from you. Very, very dangerous. Um, there's also this impending lawsuit scam. And personally, I can understand why this feels terrifying. Yeah. So what this one is, the impending lawsuit scam, that's when a scammer calls and they're speaking really quickly and they're in, in an urgent tone, maybe even kind of scary threatening. And again, they claim to be from the government or the police. And they say that you are going to be sued or arrested for some fake offense that, you know, that you haven't committed, but you're now terrified that something is going on and you're going to be sued or arrested. Um, again, the best defense in this case is just hang up and block the number. Andy, you talked a little bit about crypto earlier. More broadly, technology is being used to just steal billions of dollars from people who really don't understand what's going on. Um, it, it happens under the guise of customer support. Can you talk a little bit about how that one works? Yeah, these are terrible. I've had a couple of clients um, fall victim to this. So what happens is it's like this computer tech support scam. Um, there's this pop-up window that suddenly appears on your computer, and it says you need to call this telephone number. Or, God forbid, go to this, you know, if the mouse still works, you can go to this one magical site and you kind of call this number and your device has been infected with this virus. Or you, something starts to happen on the screen and you think that your entire computer is about to be wiped. And so what happens is you call this number, it's a nefarious individual on the other end, and they step you through this process to basically create a remote session to your computer, then all of a sudden they gain access to everything on your computer, they start a file transfer, and then all of a sudden everything that you have or had on your computer now exists somewhere else. The other thing that we see is that there's some sort of uh, ransom uh, sort of situation yeah. or ransomware where the computer just completely locks up and you have to, you know, send however many Bitcoin or, you know, some sort of, you know, currency or value transfer to this individual or this group um, for you to gain access back to your computer. But it absolutely stinks. I mean, and... You know, the people that I've talked to, they call and they let me know kind of what ha what's happened. And they said, within two seconds, you your heart's in your throat. You immediately know what happened. But everything looks so legit, you know, and everything looks absolutely realistic. And you call this number and then by the time you're there, it's absolutely too late. 
Well, and by the way, people should not feel bad if they have gone down this rabbit hole. This happens to major corporations. It happened just recently to the Estee Lauder Corporation, and it shut them down for a week. So, you know, I, I understand we are trying to protect people. We don't want this to happen to you, but you don't have to feel like an idiot if you fall for these things occasionally because they are really, really difficult to detect. And the ones that make me feel the worst are the ones that prey on your emotions, the romance scams and the grandparent scams. Those grandparent scams, they are just the worst. Isabel, can you talk about them a little bit? Yeah, well, the grandparent scam is one that's actually pretty simple, which is what makes it potentially even more dangerous or you're more likely to maybe fall for something like this. It's when a, a, a thief or a crook is, it calls up a grandparent and says, hey, grandma, you know who this is? And then grandma says, yes, it's little Sue or the name of whatever the grandchild is. The scammer says yes. And then instantly that secures her trust. And then the fake grandchild asks for money for something. They say, I have a, a, a major issue. I had a car accident or I have overdue rent or, you know, I'm in jail and I need a bond. But you can't tell anyone because I'm embarrassed or I don't want anyone else to know or don't tell my parents. And and now they're going to demand money um, in some untraceable form, like a gift card or a, a money transfer or wire. So, you know, this is one to look out for, you know, and, and this is happening. And the romance scam, kind of similar, somebody preying on your trust. Yep. I mean, this is similar in one, you know, you, you hear about maybe more in the media. It's, it's con artists who create very elaborate but fake profiles on a dating site or on Facebook, social media, you know, Instagram and or, so, you know, any online channel for dating or for social media in order to exploit maybe an older adult's potential loneliness to get money you know, to say, let's have a relationship. And, you know, un unknowingly, you're going to get into that. And then they're going to be coming up with a way to scam you. They're going to lie about being um, in another country and they need money for their visa or to get a plane trip back because they've had a medical emergency or they've been a victim of a crime overseas and they need money from you. And this is a, a more common and potentially damaging scam than you might think. So in fact, in 2020, these types of romance scams reached a record of 1.3 billion with a B. Um, and it's just wow. staggering amounts of money that are being stolen from thousands of unsuspecting people that are just trying to help and formed a relationship with someone that they thought was legitimate. Boy, you know, these are staggering amounts of money. They are heartbreaking stories because really what they're preying on are the fact that people are lonely. We have talked on this show before about just how dangerous and devastating that could be. But there are ways that you can protect yourself and your parents from falling prey to these sorts of scams. So we're going to talk about what you can do to reduce your risk. We'll do that right after the break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Are you worried about the current volatility of the market, inflation rates, talk of a recession? Are you second-guessing your investment decisions? What better time than now to ensure your finances are moving forward than by getting an expert second opinion from an Edelman Financial Engines planner? Whether you already have a planner or simply need a new perspective, they can help you manage your wealth plan to both weather the volatility of the market today and 
help you protect and preserve it over the long term. To schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today, call 833-PLAN-EFE. That's 833-752-6333. Or visit their website at efewealthplanners.com. Put your uncertainties to rest once and for all. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup right now. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us on Everyday Wealth. I'm with Andy Smith and Isabel Barrow from Edelman Financial Engines, and we are talking frauds and scams and how to protect your hard-earned money from being stolen. In the last segment, Andy and Isabel talked about what these scams are and how you can identify them before you lose any money. Now I want to shift to protecting your identity, protecting your personal and financial information to make it more secure, which will reduce your risk of being victimized in the first place. Andy, where do you start with strategies to protect their identities? Identities are such a big ball of wax these days. Right. The first thing is to check their credit reports, um, at least annually or, you know, on a, on a definite regular basis. And what you want to do is you want to make sure that everything is accurate. You want to close any new accounts that you're not using. If you find any errors or anything out of the ordinary, you're going to want to contact that credit reporting agency immediately. So there's Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, just be in the habit of looking at these and, and just kind of knowing what's out there. Past that, um, I would want you to look at the actual documents that might have your personal or financial information on it. These are physical documents, hard copy paper. If you're not needing it anymore, um, if these are old statements or just anything that has related information to you, shred it burn it, shoot it into space. The idea is is that you don't want these hard copies of documents with account numbers, social security numbers, uh, personally identifiable information on it. So buy a shredder, destroy anything that has, what, credit cards, uh, social security numbers, birth dates, addresses, phone numbers, anything that could be tied back to you that a scammer or some you know fraudulent person could use as they start to strip away different pieces of your identity to be able to further their own means, either taking out new credit cards, applying for loans, anything. You don't want that information out there in the wild. Just just to follow up on that piece of advice to close accounts, um, one of the things that I was taught was that if you have credit cards that have large lines of credit, even if you're not really using them, closing them can ding your credit score, something awful. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to look at that, right? So if you are younger, if you are still, what I would say, in in need of a credit report for securing new lines of credit for a car or a home or basically any borrowing that you have in front of you, yes, keep that in mind. As you age, as you know that you're not going to secure another mortgage, um, as you know that you maybe have purchased your last car, you stop caring as much about your credit report. And so if it shaves a couple of points off, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, It's kind of personal preference at that point. Just be aware of what would happen. But what we see a lot of times is that 
look, at some point, people just don't care what their credit report is because they, they are where they are. They've got what they got. And it's, it's not something that they're necessarily worried about, you know, five, 10 years into the future. Yeah, I would chime in and add also that if, you know, some cases, you may have a credit card with a very large line of credit that you don't need. And if that's a card that you're regularly using online, or you're using at gas stations, you know, these are places where you are more likely to have your credit card information stolen. And that's a case where I might recommend just call the credit card company and reduce your limit. You know, you may not have to close the card all the way, but reduce your limit down to 500 bucks or whatever it may be that, you know, you you normally spend. And I would also say that maybe there's a certain card that you use for those types of purchases and certain cards that you use for other things, right? So maybe you have a card that you use just for gas and for, you know, that maybe the higher risk type um, situations where, you know, I just think of, I think of gas because I know that's where my card is number has been stolen. My mother-in-law's at, you know, these card readers at gas stations. So that's why I bring that one up. But, you know, um, even just having a card and having the limit reduced is another good option. I, I like the suggestion to divide and conquer. It's something a lot of people do with their email addresses. You you have one that you use for all your personal stuff, and then you have one that you give to all the marketers, and it just keeps you safe in another way. Talk to me, though, Isabel, about social media and how how social media can just be a wonderland for identity thieves. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a newer one, right? Because we're not we're not always used to kind of the ramifications of of social media as it relates to identity theft or theft in general. But you know, you do need to be careful. So it's something that you know I I worry about in particular if I have a you know a Facebook post or something along those lines that you know shows me with my children and we're out of town. Well, that now alerts anyone who can see my Facebook post that we're out of town and and you think it's harmless, but now somebody knows, you know, potentially if they can figure out where you live, they can break into your house. Um, So you have to be especially careful and avoid posting things publicly like that, that might expose yourself to the potential of theft, you know, um, protect things, information like your date of birth, your social security number, your home address, even things like your mother's maiden name, you know, that's a common one for a password reminder or something. Protect that information um, and just know that, you know, oftentimes these scams are you know, you may not realize that you're being scammed when someone's asking you for some information like that, but those are all pieces of information that you need to protect as much as your social security number. You know, any of that information can be easily gotten from your Instagram or maybe use TikTok. I don't, so I don't know how that works, but, um, you know, it can be used to to compromise your identity overall. And ultimately you have to protect that because that can cost you a lot of money. They don't even have to ask you for your mother's maiden name. All you have to do is go online and wish happy birthday to Grandma Jones, and somebody follows those breadcrumbs, figures out that Grandma Jones is your mother's mother, and and you're done. And when they call your credit card company and your credit card company asks for your mother's maiden name and birth date as validation, they have it. So it's really, really nefarious. Andy, what's your hard line on passwords? 
Um, be very, very mindful of the passwords that you're using. Um, there are these software programs or sometimes online services that are basically um, password keepers or password minders. I use one and I love it. And so what happens is you have this application or this program either on your computer or online. There's one super long, super complicated password that you have to remember And once you enter that, then you are in the program or online and you see all of the different passwords that you have. So you don't have to have one, you know, kind of lame password for everything and you're just changing a number at the end. It allows you to be as complicated or as detailed with the passwords as possible. And the thing is, you don't have to remember it. You just got to remember that really long password that gets you into it and so you can do, you know, capital letters and numbers and, you know, different characters and all of these things together. The idea is that you want to kind of create this mindset of security from the very beginning. And you have to realize that there's a lot of good people out there. There's a lot of ding-dongs out there (laughs) that are doing everything in their power to steal everything from you. And so just be smart and use the tools available to you to beat these guys at their own game. It always boggles my mind that the number one most common password is still password or one, two, three, four, five, six. It is. I mean, they do surveys on this stuff and people have still not gotten the message. Another message that people have not gotten is that identity thefts are often not strangers. Yeah. I mean, that is really um, a difficult thing, right? Because we think of this as being kind of like a, you know, faceless crime. But the reality is, is that oftentimes these are crimes that are perpetrated by family members, potentially coworkers, people that you think are your friends. Sometimes it's a, a, a caregiver, maybe a roommate, people that are physically and maybe even emotionally close to you. And, and they are, are potentially stealing from you because they know that you may not be likely to suspect that it's them. Let's say that the worst happens and your identity is stolen. And I'm not talking about credit card fraud, right? Somebody gets your credit card number. They make a charge on your credit card number. You've got zero liability protection. Call that credit card. Get it shut down. Get a new card in the mail. Easy as pie. But when somebody really steals your identity, Andy, and can use it to get your income tax refund, apply for a job in your name, and all sorts of other crazy acts. How do you shut that down? Yeah, the first big thing is to check with your insurance company or your employer to see if you have some sort of identity theft protection. If you do, file a claim right away, and that kind of starts an entirely new process um, for kind of what happens, who's contacted, information that you have to provide to prove that you are who you are. Past that, and you've already talked about it, start getting to any companies where you are detecting fraudulent transactions. And that's not just credit card fraud, right? You know, it's... And the thing for me, like, I always get these notices at three o'clock in the morning that somebody's buying something at some place eight states away. It's totally not me. And then all of a sudden it's three o'clock in the morning and I got to call American Express or the other credit card companies and, and deal with this. There's credit cards for sure. But a while ago, we got a notice that somebody was trying to use my wife's social security number to secure a loan from GM. 
Well, obviously, that's an issue. So it could be car loans. It could be um, lines of credit. It could be credit cards. It could be anything where anybody's using this information for you. Then you have to kind of start the process of going to these individual companies and starting their fraud reporting process. Well, and the social security number is basically the holy grail, right? So how do you deal with it, Isabella, if, if you get notified like Andy did that somebody is using his wife's social security number? Well, the first thing is obviously you want to contact the company at which the account was open. So in his case, you know, calling, contacting GM credit or whomever it was. Um, But after that, the next step is to actually notify the IRS that your social security number was used. So they actually have a form to help you start this process, which is called a form 14039. That's through the IRS. And you can file that form and let them know that your social security number was compromised. And then um, lastly, I would say there is a website, which is identitytheft.gov. And you can file a report with the FTC. And once you file this report, you'll actually get a recovery plan with pre-filled letters and forms that you would then use to potentially file a police report and dispute those fraudulent charges. So again, that website is identitytheft.gov. I hope you never have to go there, but if you have a concern, this is a great place to start. How about if it's not your social security number, but it's your driver's license number, Andy? Um, get with the DMV uh, in your state and ask to have a fraud report attached to it. Um, again, unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately, you're not the first person that these sorts of things have happened to. You're just this is just the first time that you're going through it. So look at what's being affected. Call that particular place. And, and we often hear the advice in tandem with that fraud report that you just talked about that you should put that put a fraud alert on your files with the three major credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. Personally, I don't think that's enough. I think everybody should have their credit frozen. My credit has been frozen for years. It is free to freeze your credit. You can freeze the credit of minor children under the age of 16. And if you freeze your credit, no person can apply for and get credit in your name because they won't release your credit report. It's a pain in the neck when you're standing in Bloomingdale's and you forgot that you froze your credit and you're actually applying for a credit card. But beyond that, it's so helpful. I completely agree. I don't see a huge downside to it unless you are someone who's about to take on a whole lot of new debt, like a mortgage or you're getting ready to buy a car. I mean, you know, you have to think ahead a little bit. But if you're kind of past that and you're thinking, I'm not taking out any loans for the next couple of years, I don't know that there's a big downside to freezing your credit unless, of course, you lose the password and then maybe there is a downside. So, you know, you have to be careful because um, it can be a little difficult to unwind if you lose the password. Um, But, you know, freeze the credit. It's it's going to be, I think, a much more protective stance to take than setting up one of the alerts. But still set up the alerts and then then move on to freezing the credit if you feel like you need to. Yeah. And it's not such a pain in the neck to lift the credit freeze if you're going to apply for some loan. You just, again, you got to go through it with the credit bureaus. They ask you how long you want to lift the freeze for. You tell them a week or two weeks, and then the freeze just goes right back in place. Super, super easy. Last advice on this, Andy? 
You know, just be prepared to be disappointed. Somebody at some point is going to take advantage of of you in these types of situations. So anything that you can do to kind of be ready and, you know, forewarned is forearmed. So between security freezes, there's all of the different um, kind of security firms out there that a lot of times people aren't made aware of until they're made aware of a data breach with some company and their personally identifiable information. So it could be All Clear ID, LifeLock. I mean, the Experian has some. I mean, there's a lot of places that people can look at here for that. But the idea is, is that just because you haven't been affected yet doesn't mean that you won't be. So just be prepared, know what you have to go through, and have things ready to kind of unleash as you start to fix these problems. Yeah, I would add that you should not pay for anything that isn't your charge, that isn't that you haven't, money that you haven't spent. So, you know, if a credit card company or your bank or someone is trying to keep you on the hook for some fraudulent charge, you know, a forged check or a credit card purchase that you didn't make, and they're trying to hold you liable, you know, stand your ground and don't make that payment because that is a debt that is not yours. And if you make a payment on a debt that is not yours, you may not get that money back. So, you know, be careful with um, these types of situations and and just make sure that, you know, you've correctly reported it as fraud and you're not making payments on something that wasn't yours. Isabel Barrow, Andy Smith, thank you so much, as always, for being here with the 411. Wonderful to be back. Thank you. Absolutely. And that is it for this show. We are out of time. I want to thank Andy and Isabel from Edelman Financial Engines. Be sure to subscribe to Everyday Wealth wherever you stream your favorite podcasts, or you can visit us at everydaywealth.com where all of our episodes are available to you. Thanks so much for listening and we'll talk soon. You've been listening to Edelman Financial Engines Everyday Wealth with Gene Chatsky. Edelman Financial Engines has been ranked by Barron's as the number one investment advisor in the country. If you've missed an episode or are interested in additional personal finance topics, be sure to subscribe to the Everyday Wealth Podcast. Our podcast library offers helpful insights on topics such as tax-efficient portfolios, retirement withdrawal strategies, investing, and financial planning, to name just a few. To learn more, visit our website, everydaywealth.com, or find our show wherever you stream your favorite podcast.